This week on the Boag World Web Show, we're joined by the internet-famous Carl Smith to talk about whether you should go solo or set up a business with somebody else. Season 12 of the Boag World Show is sponsored by Lynda.com, Template Monster, and the Lily Drone, because I hope they'll send me one for free. BoagWorld.com, the podcast for all those involved in designing, developing, and running websites on a daily basis. My name's Paul. Joining me, as always, is Marcus. Hello, Marcus. Hello, Paul. How are you? I'm very well. And we also have the internet famous Carl Smith. What? <laughs> What's going on, everybody? <laughs> well, I seemed a good way as to, to refer to you as any. I don't. I mean, how do you def- refer celeb, to yourself? Web celeb. Yeah. <laughs> how do I refer to myself? Yeah, Carl. Uh, Carl definitely works. Mm-hmm. Um, I like your website. Your website's Deviant Hippie, isn't it? I like that. Deviant, yeah, Deviant Hippie. Yeah, I, I try to be calm, man. I try to just love everyone, but sometimes I get pissed off. <laughs> you know, I don't understand that's the Deviant that. side. I'm, I, I'm just so laid back as a person that I never get pissed off at anything, do I, Marcus? No, I've never known you to be angry about anything at all or Actually, annoyed. I've never really known you to be angry. Oh, I have, yeah. There's been one or two occasions, but you're a fairly laid-back type, aren't you, Marcus? I am. I wish I could be like that. <laughs> I'm just well, so... Today's workload that started at, say, 7am has kind of got to me a bit. And I'll be so I shouldn't, I shouldn't tell you where I've just come back from. <laughs> I've, I've just been... I've been sitting in uh, a beer garden, mm. drinking a pint, mm. had, had ribs for lunch mm. and i'm feeling very sleepy right now <sighs> lunch luxury luxury <laughs> when i was a lad <laughs> hey carl do you see in america you don't it's, it's a wonderful nation that i love to visit on many occasions but you don't have an equivalent of a british country pub in the, in no. the and there's nothing quite like it you know, on a sunny um, afternoon, sitting out in the beer garden with the birds tweeting and the, the rolling countryside with a pint in your hand, it's just glorious. Mm. No, I, I've my brother lived in Oxford for a long time, and I would go over there and, and just hang out. And I was like, yeah, we need this. You know, we'll name things like King Edward's Pub. But all that means is it's going to be dark and there's no televisions. It yeah. doesn't really mean anything pleasant. No. No, you've got you've got a kind of funny attitude, not funny, a different attitude towards kind of alcohol. And it's more of a kind of grown up thing, isn't it? You know, while pubs over here are kind of family places. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I was going to say, well, I started drinking when I was 12. So I was an adult at the time. But uh, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, drinking is something that adults go off and do, and that kids go, please be careful. Um, <laughs> come come so, back yeah, it's, and it's, live, mummy and daddy. It's, 
It's got that negative connotation to it. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. You know, you always say to somebody who's heading out, okay, well, be, be careful, make good choices. Well, I, I disagree. You guys with will be you. Like, See, now for me, that's a good choice. You know, I, what type of beer are you going for? That's that's a good choice. You know, there are some good go. beers and some bad beers. That's right. Uh, but I disagree, Paul. That, that our pubs are family places. I avoid family pubs with air quotes, um, like the plague. Well, yeah, but then that's because you've got grown-up kids. Yeah, but there are there is a culture of family pubs in the UK. Yeah, to be avoided. <laughs> Well, and you're allowed to take your dogs to pubs, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like taking my dogs See, to pubs. That's fabulous. I, I would want to do that. And they drink as well. <laughs> nice. There's special dog alcohol in the in the UK. It's a fact. By the way, Paul. Can I get a canine a- IPA over here, please? <laughs> <laughs> Paul, Mad yeah. Max is a 15 certificate. Oh, I can't take the boy then. Yeah. He'll have to wait until it comes out on DVD. <laughs> how old how old is he he's he's 12 12 going on 40 ah uh, you know so he climbs a clock tower later starts taking some shots yeah well you see that's a lot harder over here as well <laughs> yeah, it's good he point. has to get hold starts of starts throwing stones at people yeah, yeah it's not as effective yeah you don't have many drive-by knifings over there do you not, not that many no <laughs> <laughs> Well, that'd be quite a challenge, wouldn't it? I quite like the idea of leaning out of a car window trying to attack someone with a butter knife. Hey, hey, come over here, come over here. <laughs> hey, have you seen my? Have you seen that link in the introduction? There's no link to this whatsoever, but um, I, 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 I've got to mention this because this is the coolest thing in the world. One day we'll get onto web design. Have you? Have, have either of you followed the link? In the, that I put in the introduction. You, you haven't, have you? Marcus hasn't no. read it. Carl, you lost it, and I had to resend you the questions. I have no idea well, I what just, you're talking I about. I wanted now. to establish dominance. That was Oh, is that what it was? I just wanted to make sure you, knew, you knew that if I asked for something, you had to give it. Ah, yeah. see, you're good at this. I can yeah. see why you're such a high flyer. <laughs> so this is, have, have either of you heard of the Lily Cam? Or the Lily drone thing. Oh, is this the thing that follows you around and films you, Paul? It's the most awesome thing on the planet ever. I think it sounds like the most narcissistic thing on the planet ever. Or or both. But, yeah, why can't it be both? (laughs) I like Carl's attitude. See, now, I just think this is... No, because, you know, when you go to these gorgeous places, have you never kind of stood on the top of... Uh, snow-capped mountain viewing the surroundings and you just wish you could throw a drone into the air that would take a beautiful panoramic shot all around you. Uh, It hasn't occurred to me, Paul, but I guess in that particular situation, yes. I just have imagined that this thing follows you around all the time filming you. No, it can only (laughs) fly for about 20 minutes. Right, okay. Which would oh, be enough to cover to make... that would be enough to cover all of my walking activities for the day, but probably not oh, a normal nice. person. <laughs> I was just thinking, God, if, if that was around when John Lennon was alive, you know, <laughs> he would have had to keep changing batteries. John, stop being cool. We got it. Okay, all right, as you were. But you just see the whole kind of. I, it, it, it is a dangerous road because eventually we will all have our own personal drone following us around. And the world would just be full of... The, you won't be able to see the sky for drones. But actually, the, it, it looks so cool. You can... Eat, at one point, he, you know, it's this beautiful piece of design. Um, you know, it looks very techy and very expensive. And he just throws it off a bridge. And it, and it suddenly starts flying. It's terrifying. And then another time, 
he throws it to so some woman or other going down a like a river on, in, on um, kayaking, and he, he throws it, and you go, oh no, it's gone wrong. It's hit the water, and it hits the water, and then just takes off and carries on. It's so cool. So I want one. I thought you had yeah, one, I, Paul. No, I've ordered it, but it's not coming out till next year. So it's one of those vaporware things that actually I've just been ripped off for four hundred dollars or whatever it was. <laughs> well done. I'm good at that. It's like Kickstarter. Give us all your money. We might give you something at the end of it. And more than likely, you're going to see it in a store next week by some other brand anyway. (laughs) That's happened to me twice. (laughs) I I, I ordered Ninja Blocks or whatever it was so that you could give an IP address to any electrical thing. Yeah. And, uh, And then like a week later, I'm going through Target. And there it is, out by Linksys or somebody. They got the exact same damn thing. I'm like, oh, for God's sakes. So why would so. you want to give an IP address to anything? Because you can. Yeah, well, yeah. That's why I want the drone. <laughs> I don't want it. Well, if, since you only walk like 20 minutes a day, imagine not having to get up to turn off the light. Ah, see, now it's useful. Right. There you go. See, Marcus, this is why I like having other geeks on the show, because Marcus just thinks I'm slightly <laughs> weird when I talk about this kind of stuff. But look, there are other people in the world, Marcus, that are equally sad. Mm. Very, very sad. What, what do you, I have to ask you, what do you use your Apple Watch for, Paul? Telling Nothing. the time? Telling the time. Yeah, there you go. It's very useful. Did you buy one? <laughs> Did you buy one, Carl? It hadn't come in yet. Uh, Engine got them for the team. So that, that's the nice part of a layoff is suddenly you can do sweet things because nobody really works there anymore. Um, what, what's but this? I've actually what's got, going on? People <laughs> have, you've a, laid everybody off and you've given them an Apple Watch to make up for it. Well, just the few that were left. All right. Well, we, we ran the numbers and we weren't going to be able to get everybody an Apple Watch and the tweet just wasn't going to sound right. You know, so you so had to fire some people. We, we were optimizing for social, so we had to let about 12 people go so we could afford, you know, everybody else getting one. Now, I wear a, uh, a Fitbit Forge, I think it's oh, called. Yeah. It's, it's the big-ass Fitbit, and uh, I really like it. I never really knew I would, but my favorite part of it is not having to take my phone out of my pocket to see if I want to talk to whoever's calling or texting or whatever. Yeah, that is a, it is quite nice for that. But I am fed up with being tapped on the wrist. It's like, it feels like, you know, when you, when your kids are little and they go, dad, dad, and they're, they're like, they're tapping you the whole time, you know, to get yeah. your attention. And that's what it feels like. I feel like I've got a toddler again, this time attached to my wrist. Can't you turn that off, Paul? Well, yeah, I could, but then it just kind of destroys having the Apple watch. I got it for business purposes. Yeah, I can tell yeah. myself that now. It's, it's great. Okay, so Cause I don't have you, I- and Chris, you and Chris telling me I can't have things anymore. <laughs> When I get my Apple Watch, I know the app that I'm getting, and it's this app that basically count down, counts down how many days you have left to live. Have you seen this thing? <laughs> no, that's terrible. So it looks at you know your age, your weight, all this type of stuff. But then, like if you take the stairs instead of the escalator, you may get an extra hour added on. Oh, see um, now I'm going to get just, that. If you just sit still all day, you're probably just lost two days of your life, right? And, uh, of course, you have to track all the nutrition and all that, which most people aren't going to do. But it's actually not that tough now that everything's barcoded, at least yeah, in the States, yeah. so that anything you're going to eat, you can just slap right in there. Um, unless, you know, you're eating out of a farm or something. I, does that. It, I, that, that, sounds, I, that will motivate me. I like the oh. idea of putting off death for another hour. <laughs> well, I like the idea of being able to say, I can have that meeting in 23 years and five days. <laughs> <laughs> 
I hope you're going to live more than 23 years, Carl. That's, I mean, I know you're a bit older than me, but you're not that much. <laughs> uh, yeah, you never know. But, Who yeah, knows? I hope so as well. I hope so. Okay. Uh, what do you, what's the name of that app? Do you know? Or have you, <laughs> no just, made, you just made it up, didn't you? <laughs> no, I'm, uh, I'm pretty sure we are shipping this week. Uh, I feel pretty good about it. <laughs> Um, if you want to go ahead and send some money, Paul, um, <laughs> we were going to do a Kickstarter, but uh, I would just assume build it just for you. <laughs> anyway, talking about money, let's talk about sponsor. I like mm. having sponsors on the show because they give me money. And they also do my hard work for me as well because one of our sponsors is Template Monster. And Template Monster said, yeah, um, so we, we'd really like to sponsor and support the show. Um, we'd also like to get our community involved in, in asking questions on for the podcast. I was like, yeah, fine. You could pay me money for the, the podcast and also do all the work of working out what's going to be on the show. That's great. So that's what they've done. They've got they, all the, or a lot of the questions that we get on the show um, is uh, from Template Monster and via their community, which is wonderful. They've been going. When did we set up Headscape, Marcus? Uh, was it 2001 1950s oh don't be ridiculous 2001 or 2002 (laughs) which was it i know chubby checker had a big hit that year (laughs) i think yes indeed oh no that chubby was a bit later i think 66 was it (laughs) yeah am i Um, gonna get an answer oh it's 2001 wasn't it january yeah i know that bit 2002 was our official launch date when did engine start uh, June second, two thousand and three. Ah, we beat you. That means we're yeah. better or something. Uh, you Old. are better. <laughs> Old is you better. Know, I've always acknowledged that. You know, we're twelve and you're fourteen, and a fourteen-year-old generally can kick a twelve-year-old's ass. I mean, now you know. Once we get into our twenties, uh, I don't know how I'm going to feel about this, but right now we're okay. Okay, that's good. Well, uh, Template Monster started in two thousand and two. All right. So, so the same year we started, Marcus. Oh, those were the days. We were still doing table-based layout, weren't we? Heady days they were. I was, I was putting websites together back in those days. Well, you could have used that template for template monster. Yeah. yeah, we were, we were rocking out flash sites. Oh, were you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We did lots of flash. Oh, yeah. Is that how it goes? Is that? Oh, yeah. Because the flash, co- the flash group were almost always so much cooler than us boring HTML lot. So you had a heavy beat We could beat charge. Oh, my God. We could charge a lot of money. Did you? Oh, we were doing oh, yeah. it all wrong. It was good. It was good. So then we had to redo everything because we were not good people, evidently. Yeah. I apologize to no one. It was fabulous. <laughs> anyway. So, we yes. Did, we did uh, they, they, well, I can't remember what the point of this was. Oh, yes. Template Monster. 2002. They set up. I don't, and a bit, right. which means they've been doing it a long time, which means they know their stuff. You could get a, um, a try before. Does it mean that actually, truthfully, just because you've been doing something a long time, does that make you better at it? <laughs> yes, I've decided to go with yes because yes. otherwise, well, the implication is that I'm I'm old and and of no, no use. I, I've been drinking a long time, and I think that makes me better at that. That's I'm very true. Definitely better at drinking than I used to be. Mm-hmm. No question. Yeah. Mm. From years of yeah. practice. Well, um, I can't hold as much as I used to be able to. Really? No. Um, <laughs> I, begin, I get... It, it's, it, I, when I was a student, it was great. These days, you know, I'm turning into Chris Scott. <laughs> no, that's not possible. But, but yeah, but are the Rolling Stones as good now as they were in the 60s? Oh, man. You know, they actually had one of the top grossing tours, but that doesn't mean anything. No. Last time I saw them I think was 1989, we're just all, I think. 
Oh, was that Steel Wheels? Yes. Yeah, I saw that tour. I think everybody's just waiting to see, you know, if Keith Richards eventually grows wings and flies off the stage. Because there's something there. I mean, it's <laughs> what was the thing I saw on Twitter the other day? We need to start thinking about what kind of world we're going to leave for Keith Richards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's quite interesting to think, yeah, that he'll, he'll you know, my, my great-grandchildren will be around to see him. That's <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> well, but Mick's the same. They just don't ever change. No. Anyway. Do, you think, yeah, he's, do you think he's one of the few that you see that's still dancing around like he used to? You know, Elton John can barely get off the piano stool. But Mick is still all over the frickin' stage. Do you think Template Monster Care that we're talking about Rolling Stones in the middle of their segment... You were making. Well, you were saying that as if you've been going for a long time, that makes you better. But I, yes, I, I don't think so. If you compare it to the musical world, okay, this is how we're making our you judgment. Become a has been right. Anyway, <laughs> so template monster. They're great. better than the Rolling Stones. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> yeah. If you buy from, te- they are the Rolling Stones of the template world. Um, you could, and, and Flash is dead. And Flash so. is dead. Template monster. In fact, I don't even know whether they have flash templates anymore on Template Monster. But they've got some, yeah, they've got some very over-the-top CSS animations on there. Oh, they do yeah. still have flash. It's all all right, people. Flash is still there. That's good. Um, you could try before you buy. Templates um, can be downloaded, so you can make sure you can use them if you're not a, uh, a big coder and if you you know you're, you're trying to put some markers, you can download them and try them before you buy. And they have twenty four hours twenty four seven support for you, Marcus. You can ring them up and you can get help, and they're always there for you. Which at twenty four seven, that's quite impressive, isn't it? Really? No. It's not. Can you call if you're just lonely? I, yeah. Can you just say, hey, it's like 3 a.m. and you don't, I can't sleep. And You don't even need to be a customer. They're, they're, they're quite happy to talk to you for as long as you want. And I suggest you give it a try. Just ring them up, you know. <laughs> you know, Zappos won't answer my calls anymore, so i got to find somebody. Yeah, there you go. That's what it is. They've got a really great help section. I presume that's related to just templates and not to mental health. But, you know, I don't know. You have to go and have a look, and you can do so by going to boagworld.com forward slash template monster. I'm sorry to everybody at Template Monster. I promise to do a better job next week. There we go. <laughs> so, discussion time. So, Carl, as, as you may or may not know, because I'm sure you're an avid follower of the podcast and listen to every single episode. So you will know that we're talking... I'm just going to go right over the silence there. Um, <laughs> you will know that we're spending this season talking about running, setting up and running your own web design business. And I use web design in the loosest sense of the word, not just for designers, but for, you know, a kind of a digital services business. But that's it. I'm so pretentious that I didn't want to say that. Um, and this particular episode, we're going to be talking about kind of the the solo versus getting partners versus having employees kind of re- what the different options there are available and how you go about dealing with that when because you founded engine did you found it by yourself or did you have partners i started with three equal partners okay ah, and i didn't know that so you say started so did they lose the will to live as as they worked with well, you or what under the patio <laughs> so, well, yeah, I, I hate to say it, but Marcus has 
some accurate <laughs> information I did not know was still out there. Um, no, we started – it was my idea to start the company, but there were three people I really wanted. And I was leaving a situation where there was a lot of inequity in the, the agency that I'd worked at, full-service agency. So I wanted to try to build kind of an egalitarian society, you know, the People's Republic of Engine, we were often called mm. – you really are. Uh, and so, yeah, it started with, with three. I was the only one that had any money, so they had three years to buy in. Okay. And then over time, you know, a few didn't work out. Two others ended up getting offers to do other things that they wanted to try. And, and so I ran it myself for about six years. Okay. So from your point of view, what as you kind of compare doing it for yourself, you know, running it by yourself and running it with some partners, what were the pros and cons from your point of view? Well, running it with partners had a lot of pros in the sense that you had somebody to bounce ideas off of. And you've got to have the right partner, right? Mm. Somebody that you can trust that complements your skills. You don't want too much overlap, I think. Mm. And so we were able to have great conversations. And I don't know if you you saw this. uh, There was an article that went out today. Actually, Cap Watkins put it out there. And it's about a sliding scale. I won't say what it was called. It's about... It's called the Giver uh, Scale. Oh, I saw and, Yeah, uh, I saw the yeah. article, but the, the title put me off because I'm such yeah. a you know, clean-spoken well, gentleman. There you go. So, but, but what it is is basically, say that, Paul, you and I were running a company together, and you had a particular way that you felt uh, an email should go out to the clients. Uh-huh. And I said, wow, I really disagree with that. I don't, I don't know that I want to put us in that light. And then I said, well, you know what, to me, Paul, on a scale of one to four, I mean, a scale of one to 10, that's like a four for me. What is it for you? And you would say, well, it's like a seven for me. And I'd be like, all right, well, then do it the way you want. It's not as important to me. Right. And we used to work that way anyway. And uh, like Varick Rossetti, who was the original designer at Engine, um, he really cared about the work product, the, the quality bar. That was his thing. I really cared about the client experience and how our customers felt. And so he always deferred to me on how we would handle clients, and I always deferred to him on how we would maintain the quality of the product. So I think if you've got partners and you can do it that way, it's really brilliant. Mm. But I think communication's got to be amazing. You have to constantly be talking and understand the things that matter to each other. Mm. If you're running solo, I think the big benefits are you really can move faster. You don't have to slow down. You still have a lot of communication if you have a team that I think is critical. Uh, but the downside is you have to find an advisory board or some external group that you can talk to. Otherwise, you just start building one flavor. You don't have anything that's keeping you fresh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got to say, for, you know, for I, I couldn't have done Headscape without Marcus and Chris beyond their kind of practical contributions but even Mar- marcus is listening you know he can hear yeah, you yeah yeah that's all right i don't know occasionally i will be nice to him um because i think that the pressure of of building something of that size by yourself is quite significant did you did you ever struggle with that when you were by yourself the kind of because you've got a lot of people's jobs riding on you right no it, there was a time we had 32 people cool and uh and I was the only one uh, pretty much running it. And so, we, you know, that was the beginning of the, the jellyfish model and the way we tried to be opt-in and autonomous and, and have people manage themselves. And it, it worked really well sometimes, and other times it was just a, a horrible mess. But the, the thing that I learned was you can't, uh, as, as an individual, manage that many people. No. You will lose your life. We were in eight different time zones. So. <gasps> 
I would like be up at six and not quit working until 11 or midnight. Um, which is part of why I'm anti busy now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I did that and that was horrible. But the other thing I think it, it's really, so like I've got a, a partner now I brought on Ben Jordan who was over at the Envision app and, uh, Ben is now the president at EngineWorks, which we never even had titles like that, but we've had these conversations about how titles are important to clients and, you know, I'm, I'm learning to, to give on some of the flavor that I was building, right, mm. the, the way that I was building the company. The other thing is uh, Jeff Wilson over at 352, which is a shop over here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm sure a lot of people have said this. Jeff was the first person I had heard say it. But he said, the people who got you here can't get you there. And I had tapped out. I mean, there was nothing more I was going to be able to do to create a great environment for the employees or provide for my family yeah. than we were at that point. And I was pretty much losing my life. So... I'm a big fan of having a partner now. Yeah. I've got to say, it worked really well for us, didn't it, Marcus? Well, it still is for you. <laughs> yeah. Just not with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's so much better now. Um, <laughs> How are you, that, that's an interesting question, Mike, because we did work together for 13 years. Has it changed the dynamic, me not being there? Yes. Honestly. It, it, yeah, honestly, it has. And at the moment, uh, it's okay. I yeah. worry for where we'll be in two or three years' time because, you know, Chris and I are well. The, the three of us, when we, when we started the company and all the time we were working together, we're all very different people with very different skills. That that you know, we 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 matched quite well, mm. um, and so therefore Chris and I still do. Um, but losing your input, um, I say at the moment, fine. We've, we've only been doing this for five months without mm. or four months um so but yeah my, my concern is that because you used to come in and basically um tear the place up on a <laughs> on a, on a, a two-year basis and yeah. say yeah we need to do x or y and some um, and quite often that was absolutely the right thing to do and i don't think chris or i will do that um however we do have people who work for us who do that and we we, we already have have had conversations about our processes and the way we we're approaching project work and that kind of thing and we've changed already and that but that's been driven by um people that work for us not from not from uh, myself or chris so i think we'll be all right but yeah that's what I'm, i i miss about you paul um as a director of the company and the fact that you were always saying you know we need to be doing this we need to, you know th- this area is the next next big thing we need to make sure we get into that and yeah. chris and i kind of just get on with it and get on with whatever we're doing and tend not to look to the future too much but but others do it seems so what about from a decision making point of view because one of the things that that always work very well about the three of us and i think is a key point with when you're creating any kind of partnership is that you've got people that come at a problem from a slightly different angle mm. um you know and and you're very very laid back and chris is you know at the other end of the spectrum <laughs> um, well, I, st- like, I still so- get my own way all the time it's just the you know it was that's how it used to be and now it looks <laughs> that's so not true marcus <laughs> Otherwise, if that was true, if you got your way the whole time, Headscape would have been about out of business about 10 years ago because it would have run out of money. <laughs> um, uh, we haven't had any difficult decisions to make. Yet. Okay. It would be interesting to see how that one works out because I often wonder that with a partnership where there's just two of you. You know, the, the, the great thing about having an odd number is that there's always someone to break the tie. Um, right. Yeah. We still have Brian. Yeah, that's true. Who's 
in the background. Lurking. Well, you still have me. Yeah, really. exactly. Yeah, you are still a director of the company. So I yeah. think if there are any, any serious decisions needed to be made, then obviously you would your opinion would be sought. Yeah. So uh, well, you yeah. can still go in every two years and just tear the place up. Uh, yeah. Well, Take yeah, a, I, I, that's a serious point. Unless that's point. too big of a commitment. Yeah, no, but that is you know? a serious point. You yeah, are still, still a director of the company, and, uh, yeah, that's if that's the role that we're lacking, which we possibly are, then, yeah, that's what we want from you, Paul. There you yeah. go. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Carl. You've just given yeah. me a job to do. I, I was just hoping they would hand me dividends every few, you know, years. <laughs> that only works for, like, about nine months. Is that really? Oh, okay. But, it, but it's a really glorious nine months. <laughs> <laughs> So, I mean, for me, I'm just thinking about what the downsides of being solo are. It is, you're right, Carl, it is having that somebody to bounce things off of. And I don't have that advisory board or whatever you want to call it yet. Um, to, I mean, I have my wife that tells me what to do, but that's a, that's a very different thing. Um, <laughs> so I miss that. I miss... Um, it, 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 it's almost... It's almost just a confidence thing as well. It's that, you know, you know, you wake up those days going, shit, is this the right thing to do? You know, am I, am I just sitting here wasting my time? Should I be doing something, something else? And so I kind of, I miss having Chris and Marcus to go, no, no, that's all right, Paul, or don't be such an idiot. Go and do something useful. Um, And I'll tell you the other thing I miss is I miss that kind of little sense of guilt that Marcus and Chris brought to me of that, you know, now there is no reason why I can't just doss around and do nothing, it, you know, other than I won't be able to feed my family. But, right. you know, it, it, there was always, Minor when you point. work with partners, you always, you know, they help motivate you. And I miss that. Yeah. The, the other downside to being a solo flyer is you're not allowed to have family crises, right? Yeah. Or crises. Because if, like my dad's really sick and I have to spend a lot of time with him right now. And I know there's somebody else who can make decisions and ping me if something is big enough to worry about. Yeah. So it, it's one of those things, you know, I'm kind of on call right now and it looks like everything will be fine. I don't want to make it like, you know, Oh great. Carl came on. Everybody got depressed, <laughs> but, but it's one of those things where it's really nice. Whereas last year when that hit, um, I had to be sitting with him in a hospital and trying to respond to emails and bounce things around, and it was a disaster. Yeah. So that's the other side. You've got somebody to help carry the load when things get rough for you personally. Yeah, and that has been the case for all three of us, hasn't it, over the years, Marcus? Mm. What have you done, Paul? I know. <laughs> this is a terrible <laughs> idea. I mean, okay, let's cheer myself up. Where can partnerships go wrong? What's the downsides of a partnership? There must be, I suppose, arguing over stuff, you know, personality clashes. Mm. Definitely. Because, I mean, it's like getting married. You know, it's an enormous commitment. It's huge. And so I think where things go wrong is it's just like marriage. It's expectations going into it. You're each bringing in your own experiences, your history of interacting with other people. And if you've been in another company then you either were treated well or treated poorly or a mixture of both. I, I know when Ben was coming on, we spent a whole day just talking about how each of us could fuck this up for the other person, <laughs> right? And I told him, oh, Paul, I forgot. I'm st- is Paul, are you still there? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. just checking. Yeah. I know I dropped a bomb. So. No, 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 it's but, okay. But, but that was what we did. And so I told him, I was like, here's what's going to get me. If I have the sense that you're not being completely honest, I'm going to start worrying about everything. 
And I've got a history of people taking advantage of me because I'm generally really nice and want to believe everyone is the best person they can be. And so if, if something goes wrong like that or I see you disrespect somebody, then we're going to have this issue. Now, if we disagree with each other, I'm totally cool. You know, just bring me a rationale, explain it to me. But one of the major things for me is if I feel like you are just bulldozing something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, what was that? And then the flip side, Ben said to me was, if I feel like you're just hovering over me, you know, I'm not going to be able to operate. I don't want to have a boss. I want to have a partner. Yeah. Right. And I was like, I totally get that. And that's I, the one thing I don't want to be is the boss. It's been that way from the beginning. So, so this should work. But I think if you don't have those conversations up front, like we had a conversation around um, Colt Handgun shows up and offer us $2 million to build this amazing web portal. You know, what would you do? Yeah. You know, Ben lives in Texas, right? I live in Florida. We're both states where people tote guns, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it, we went away, thought about it, came back, and I told him, I was like, there's just no way. You know, I, my daughter in sixth grade lost a classmate because a four-year-old found a gun. God, Carl, why are you being so depressing? Yeah, well, yeah what's going on? <laughs> Stop with the death. Come, come move but, over um, here. We don't have handguns. <laughs> I know. I've, I've been. It's fabulous. I get everything I want. Um, <laughs> But then Ben was the same way. He was like, yeah, I can't stand it. Wouldn't have him in my house. Uh, I've got little kids. So it's one of those things where you go, okay, where are we aligned there? And, and I don't want to say you have to be aligned on political stuff or religious stuff or philosophical stuff because I think you need differences and you don't want to build a homogenous company. But I think there are certain things that you just need to ask yourself if this happens in the company and there are just two of you. Mm. Like know ahead of time how you think you're going to respond. I think that helps tremendously. It is interesting, isn't it? Because it is a balance of wanting different personality types and different um, different skill sets, which I think we always have very well at Headscape. But at the same time, you need at least a common vision about what the company is. And, and you know, we were very lucky um, that we, you, we knew what we wanted from Headscape. And we knew what we wanted it to feel like, you know, what type of work it would do and what it wouldn't. We were very much, I I don't ever remember sitting down and having a serious conversation about that stuff, but it just kind of naturally evolved, didn't it, Marcus? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we all, we we had the obligatory uh, um, uh, inquiries from porn sites and things like that earlier on that we thought, (laughs) "Mm, um, no, we won't do that. It won't go down well with our charity clients. Uh, (laughs) Otherwise, we'd do it, obviously. Um, (laughs) um, But... Yeah, we again. I think we all kind of have a pretty similar view on, you know, it's a pretty similar political view anyway. So, uh, therefore, it, there wasn't a major issue along those lines. We were never kind of just, you know, trying to go down particular avenues that that people felt uncomfortable about. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think the other advantage that we had is we worked together for three years beforehand that's true in a very close working relationship and in a very adverse working environment as well so where we'd previously worked um was not a good place and that almost headscape was almost a reaction to that the way that we shaped the company was directly out of our experiences wasn't it yeah well often used to say i tend not to say anymore but i when i'm when i'm explaining to people about uh you know a little bit about our history i say where we came we came from this dot com where we learned how not to run a company mm. yeah so, yeah that's true yeah okay um 
So I mean, it kind of comes back to the question of you know where where can partnerships go wrong and what what's their key to success? And you mentioned communication earlier, uh, Carl, and that's that's kind of what we've been touching on. I mean, for me, it was it, it, it's about having an environment where you can be honest and relaxed with people, and and you can pull each other up in a gentle way. Because, you know, I know, for example, that I'm not a particularly easy person to work with. I tend to be very up and down, you know, um, boom bust over stuff. Um, but I it, it was learning, learning that that was OK for me to be like that, but that Marcus and Chris would just they, you know, if they'd had enough of it, they would say they had enough of it, you know, that there was that kind of safe environment where I knew I wasn't going to deeply offend anybody because they'd just they would, you know, have a go at me back and would all get past it and move on. There was none of that kind of bottling up that often happens of resentment. Right. Is that or have I just is there years of bitterness in you, Marcus, that you need to express now? No, not at all. Um, yeah, we just Chris and I just let let you run. It goes back to the original point about what we what we miss. Um, yeah, sometimes um, you might go down an avenue that wasn't the right, necessarily a good good thing to do. But we just let you go, and that but that because generally speaking, that was uh, that brought you know good val- great value to the company. Mm. Although we did well, have some guys- big cock ups along the way as well. Sorry, Carl, what were you going to say? Oh, no, you guys had that shared experience of the other company, and I think that's unbelievably valuable mm. because you you all felt at some level the same way about how that company could have done things better or what they were you know doing that wasn't fair. Mm. So that kind of gave you a, a good base to start from. Mm. I, I, I think that's amazing. For for Ben, bringing him on, we did talk about you know the worst jobs that we had. It, it's kind of like talking about your old girlfriends with a new one, right? Yeah. And uh, or or you know I'm married now, so none of that nonsense. But uh, but it's just one of those things where you want somebody to understand where you came from, so that they can understand what you're doing and where you're going. Yeah, I mean that kind of, it, it comes on to to an. I've just I've just seen what I've written in my notes. I've got what about a loser relationship? That isn't what I, that isn't what I meant at all. I meant what you know. Have you ever have you ever experimented with kind of a looser kind of arrangement other than because because th- th- there's a sliding scale isn't there these days it used to be you know had a choice either you worked solo or you had you know official business partners and now increasingly you're seeing these kind of network of freelancers or individuals coming together and working mm-hmm. in a more kind of loose arrangement and then maybe becoming more formal over time now i know you you have a lot of kind of because of you know owner's summit and the various other things that you do you have a lot of contact with a lot of different agencies and i I was just interested in in what you'd good or bad things you'd heard about those kinds of arrangements well i think those arrangements are awesome from the perspective of pitching work because you're able to put together a team that has you know more experience you may have people that are really well known in a certain area uh, when we were working in that manner, it was great. We actually we actually not only got Dan Rubin to be on the team, but he did work, so that was amazing. <laughs> and because uh, you know Dan's job is traveling around, not working, and he's yeah. amazingly experienced and good. Yeah, at it. he is. Yeah. But he has a lot of experience when it comes to fundraising and things like that for universities. So he'd done a lot of that kind of work, and we 
you know, we were up for a project with Columbia University and being able to say that Dan had that experience, I think really helped us get the work. So when you're bringing together a team like that, you can make it very much like the super friends and they have the exact skill sets, they have the experience, that sort of thing. I think the downside and, and, you know, Dan Maul's a good friend over at super friendly. I think he's probably got the best example of this model right now. I think the downside we be feeling like you have to learn how to dance all over again every time mm. Mm. and you don't get in a groove. Now, I'm sure Dan brings back a lot of the same people over and over, but I can only imagine over time for me, I would just get really tired of that and would want to know that somebody else can pick it up and go because you have to manage the quality bar every time. Yeah. Mm. And there's a chance people are going to go dark on you, right? And then who's who's on the hook? You are. Yeah. Mm. I mean, there's also those other practicalities as well of of just having, you know, d- being able to get hold of people that you want to having, you know, and other times having to go with new people when, you know, because you couldn't get the person that you originally wanted available. It also cuts into things like profit margins and that kind of stuff. If you're, you know, you're um, you know, give, effectively giving away chunks of the project to a third party. But I, I don't know. There's, on another hand, it's quite... It's quite interesting in my in my situation right now. It, that's quite an appealing model as I work, you know, as I get some bigger clients um, interested in working with me. Um, although, to be honest, a lot of the time I just come back to Headscape because I know them and it's easy. <laughs> well, that's a form. Well, that's a form of it, though, isn't it? The, yeah, I guess you so. working with us is yeah. a form yeah. of network. Yeah, yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way, but it is. Mm. Yeah, basically. Well, and the, there are two things to what you just said, Paul. One is. For us, we were constantly talking to people that we didn't need to work with. Yeah. So there was always like three or four hours a week where I would be on the phone with somebody like Elliot J. Stocks at one point, right? Like I didn't know when we would ever need Elliot, but we really liked him and we trusted him and we thought he did great work. And so we just started that conversation. And once a month, we just had a little email that would go out and say, hey, are you available this month? Are you available next month? And everybody got into the groove of just kind of like letting us know if they were on a project or not. And it's it's work. I mean, it, it's something to to keep that rolling. Mm. But that way, when you do have a need show up, you already you're not have to negotiate price. You don't have to negotiate those things because you've already done it. The other thing I'll say is, yeah, they're taking part of the project. But when the project's gone, so are they. So you don't have this concern over I've got to feed the beast. Mm. I've got this huge payroll. The pipeline's not looking that good. It's truly a, you know, you turn it on when the work is there and turn it off when it's not. Mm. So so that that one I'd push back on a little bit. Yeah, no, I do. I totally agree with that, actually. Which brings us on nicely to, to employees and taking on employees. The number of times, you know, I get people say, how do you, how do you make that decision about taking on the first person? And I, I always answer it. it you don't really make the decision it's just you get to the point of hysteria and if you don't if you don't take someone on you're just going to go and leave in a strop so i think that always used to be our bar didn't it marcus when we couldn't stick it anymore yeah big projects winning big projects often means hiring people i tend tend to find oh Oh, marcus terribly sorry (laughs) and is and it's not on cue. It's a big project. It's a big project. He's just yes. turned the phone off on a massive project. <laughs> yes. That's Coca-Cola. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, there is... We, we tr- Yeah. I'm thinking out loud again. Uh, <laughs> that always makes really good podcasting. That every does time that. We, 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 we try to hire someone thinking ahead and we're, we're going to go down this route that 
I was going to say every time, that tended not to work. We te- when, mm-hmm. when, we, when we employed people because we really needed them, they tended to work. But when we yeah. tried to kind of get a bit like, well, plan ahead and we're going we're gonna to go into this particular sphere, um, that did, tended not to work. I don't know if that's a, a, a general thing or whether it's just us, but... What was your experience, well, Carl? Because, I mean, you know, 32 people, you must have done a lot of hiring over the years. It, well, it, it was. And, you know, the thing that we finally got to was we had an onboarding process that let us work with people in a way that was fair to them and fair to the company uh, and fair to our, our clients as well. So we would basically, when there was somebody we wanted to work with, that the team wanted to work with, we would offer them, you know, uh, the project with the team mm-hmm. at whatever hours per week they could offer because we didn't want them to quit a job. We didn't want anything like that. So if it was, they could give us 15 hours over the weekend or whatever it might be, um, that would give the team a chance to kind of work together. Ah. And then at any point um, when that project was going on, if somebody on the team felt like we're really better with this person, then they could bring it up and they could uh, immediately offer that person a six-month agreement. So it, it was going from kind of a trial to a six-month contract. And then at the, end of that, at the end of that contract, that person was either hired or we really didn't work with them again. Yeah. yeah. Because something was either going to happen where you're like, okay, that person makes us better and we want them here. But that, that try before you buy is, is kind of a popular thing, at least in the States with the shops that I know. Um, I know their developers try this you know, one-week test and things like that, but I think it puts so much strain on the individual. You don't see how they're really going to work, mm-hmm. or they can just fake it for a week. Mm-hmm. right? When you're really in the throes and the client does something that's just not cool or you realize that somebody doesn't understand a technology, that's when you see how people really act. Uh-huh. So, so that's what we were always looking for was how does this person react under stress? Are they adding value to the team? Did they, did they do something you didn't expect, which was really valuable? You know, that kind yeah. of thing. Do you think that would work in the UK, Marcus? Because we have very different attitudes towards employment over here. You know, I mean, in America, workers are scum, aren't they, basically? You don't get, you don't get anything. <laughs> the good ones. The good ones are. Yeah. <laughs> um, we can still, you, you can hire on contract if you want to. Um, yeah. We've just never done it. I wonder. I wonder whether whether it would people would be as amenable to it. That's what I'm interested in, because there is a different work culture here. You know, if I was if I had a job somewhere else and I was looking to move, the chances are someone else is going to offer me a full time job, and am I really going to want to chance a six month contract over a mm. full time position? But then, yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I, I like well, the idea a lot. It sounds like a great idea. But we never did it. No. Why not? When, and Why not, Marcus? What, did, what, what was wrong with you? <laughs> Nothing's wrong with me. It's worked okay. out, kind of, nearly. Oh, come Most, on. We've mostly. Had, yeah, we've had <laughs> our bad moments. <laughs> yes, we have. Although they're, I suspect Carl has too. They're long gone. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> have, we, have we had some bad... That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> So, so okay. If we, if you've got like a six-month contract, you've got ample time to find out whether someone's right or not. How do mm-hmm. we make those judgments, Marcus? Because it was basically down to the interview, wasn't it? Is this person, although you do have a suspicious ability to sniff out dodgy people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. We used to do. Paul, I noticed you've left the company. Exactly, <laughs> Marcus. Did you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, because we were, we've always been a kind of, um, we're not particularly corporate. Um, 
that you you can tell that well, what we always wanted was kind of people you can trust first kind of that was that was number one mm-hmm. um, followed very closely behind by having the right skill set or having the aptitude to learn that would that was actually probably equally um, equally as important to us so I think you can tell whether people are trustworthy or not on a couple of interviews um, that said we do we've always done tests for developers mm-hmm. and one of our current developers Chris Oh, uh, tell this story. This who, is just brilliant. Who uh, has turned out to be absolutely fantastic. Um, he was straight out of university, so kind of n- not didn't have any work experience at all. Um, and but he did have some uh, experience in developing .NET platforms. And at the time, we were still um, developing in .NET, but we were also de- developing in PHP um, and Drupal and WordPress and things like that. Anyway, so we had two separate tests. And we sent him the PHP test. To, I can't remember. Build a, build a one-page CMS or something like that. I can't remember exactly what the test is. And this guy has never, never looked at PHP before. And this is a, you've got over the weekend. Send it back by Monday morning. Um, and he sent it back, and it kind of worked. Um, and we realized what we'd done. And it, it, it was basically showing that he had huge aptitude to learn and to be a great, uh, you know, a potentially great employee, which has turned out to be the case. So... Yeah, that was a great story. And, and it was our fault. We sent him the wrong one. But it, you, well, and how great is it that he just went with yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. It said everything you needed to. Oh, all right then. You know, let's get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> Taught himself PHP over a weekend. Got something back to us. Exactly. You know, wow. I just I think that's brilliant. Hey, there was something else I wanted to pick up on, Carl. We, we, we are running out of time, as always. But I, I did want to ask you, you talked earlier about that you had 1.32 people over, what was it, eight time zones, did you say? Say that again, what did, was it? Did you have um, people over eight time zones, you said? Yeah, over eight time zones, yeah, that's right. So, so your team, you had a, quite a large proportion of your team that was remote workers then, one presumes. All of them, really. I mean, we, we had an office that had a couple of people in it. Um, I tried to close it at one point, but the remote workers wanted to keep it open. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah, which was kind of interesting. Well, when you joined the team, you would actually get a key to the office mailed to you. It was like a little uh-huh, cultural cool. tradition. And when we had an event in town and people came in, they all wanted to try their key, <laughs> so, which was great, except we didn't give them the alarm. <laughs> that was that was pretty funny. But yeah, no, we were... Um, very very distributed so how did you manage that i mean what what advice would you give people who are considering working with a remote team i mean for example at the moment one of the guys that i'm uh, mentoring runs a um web design agency in bahrain and one of the biggest headaches for him is is finding good people um mm-hmm. and i'm saying to him look you know don't don't constrain yourself to your borders be willing to look further afield but he's never really kind of that's new, a new thinking to him, uh, so to speak. So I'd be interested as as what advice you'd give him, so that I can then pass that advice on and he can pay me. <laughs> Absolutely, and I'm I'm happy to help you protect your phony baloney job. Thank you. Um, well, one thing I would say is make sure that this person has worked on their own before, mm. that they were a successful freelancer and. You know, you want somebody who you've seen be socially active, that they've written blog posts or they're active on Twitter, mm. things like this, because you need somebody who's a good communicator, not just from the way they communicate, but the frequency. Yeah. Um, that is really, really a, a big thing. It, it doesn't mean that they have to be an extrovert. It just means they have to be present. Mm. 
um, that they're going to be there. You know, the, one of the other major things is I think any team that's working together needs at least a three-hour uh, time overlap. Yeah. I think Jason Fried said four um, in his book, but we found that three worked really well, including the client. And that was the other thing. We had a lot of clients in, you know, I mean, other countries because we were able to do that. Mm. And that, that was kind of fun. But I would say, you know, make sure that you have that overlap and make sure that you have an understanding of when people are available when versus when they're at work. Mm. And this was a huge thing for us. Um, you know, if, if I'm over here in, uh, in Florida, I forgot where I was for a second because I travel a lot. No, but if I'm over here in Florida and I'm working with somebody who's in the UK, then I have to let them know, hey, I will be available, right, starting at about noon your time. Yeah. So if something major comes up, send me a text and I'll get it. But I will be online starting around 2 o'clock your time. Mm. And then for you, it would be, okay, well, I will be, you know, working until about 3 o'clock your time, but I will be available mm. until um, – you know, whatever, yeah. like seven o'clock mm. your time, and and so it's just it's just one of those things where you have an understanding up front, so you don't feel like you're alone. Because uh. that's the other part. It's you need to have, I think, even more communication than a located company. Yeah, and and I've got an article that we can put in the show notes if you want. Um, but it basically talks through the characteristics, and and one of the things I think is critical is you don't have somebody you can go to the pub with uh. and have a beer and talk over things. So it's important that you make social time online. Mm. We, we had a meeting um, Monday mornings, which was actually around 2 o'clock for us because we were trying to accommodate the time zones. And uh, that meeting was just called the water cooler where people would just get together and the only rule was you weren't allowed to talk about work. Right. And uh, then Friday we had a, a Friday toast, which was called 5 o'clock somewhere. And if some people would be drinking orange juice, others would be drinking vodka. <laughs> if they had gotten together, it could have been kind of amazing. Um, but it was one of those things where we just wanted to make sure that everybody had a chance to get to know each other a little bit because they weren't going to be in the same location. The last thing that I'll say is make sure you do get together at least once and hopefully twice a year. Yeah. And one of those times can actually be a working trip because when you shut the company down to hang out, it will make you not want to do it again mm -hmm. because the cost will be tremendous. But when you're working together, you walk away with this newfound loyalty mm -hmm. and trust and you were somewhere and somebody said something funny. So it's no longer glowing pixels on a screen asking you for help. Yeah. You know what? Now it's Paul, and we had that great laugh over that dog in the bar, right? Mm. Whatever it might be. Um, so I think that's the other part of huge advice is we used to call it people over pixels. You really need FaceTime. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we, we used to... Oh, we, we um, used to get together regularly. In fact, they, they still do. I talk about the used to. It's not that you, you stop doing it. But we used to try and get together multiple times a year. I mean, it helps that we're all in the same time zone. Um, and we used to go on, you know, trips together, conferences, that kind of stuff. Maybe not all of us together, but different combinations of people, um, which was always really good. And we use Slack as well a lot. You know, mm. Slack it, yeah. is just a place where we say things that no other human outside of the company should ever see. <laughs> um, and um, right. <laughs> uh, and actually, it's quite nice that we as alumni, so, you know, those of us that have moved on from, from Headscape, we still pop in every now and again. And Chris Sanderson, who was on last week's show, he's in yeah, yeah. quite a lot, isn't he? Yeah, definitely. It's often, me that's... Often having a chat. Yeah. 
And I think that kind of thing, you know, is really good because it, it, it keep like you say, it becomes about people and not just kind of work all the time. So I agree. I think culture lives in Slack for located companies as well. Mm. I, I think Slack has really just started to own that space. It, it's we're actually making new decisions based on Slack integration. So. Hmm. Yeah, we've got a new beast in the room. Yeah, it's fascinating. Okay, we're going to have to wrap it up because we're running out of time. Um, But I do need to quickly mention Linda, um, who's our other sponsor for the season. Thank you, Linda, um, for sponsoring. Sounds like a person, doesn't it? But I'm talking about (laughs) Lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com, which has got over um, 3,000 on-demand video courses on business, creativity, technical skills, all kinds of stuff. It's a great place for learning new skills um, for, for everything from something like photography to being a better negotiator or wrapping your head around agile or whatever else it be they've got some great quality videos with some really good presenters thousands of videos that you can stream on demand which means you can kind of learn at your own schedule um, which is always nice the course is also structured in a way that you can um, just kind of dip in and out uh, of as and when you feel like it Uh, and i need to stop looking I spent I spent it like ages. It, I, I'm one of these people that just wants to learn everything that comes along. <laughs> and Linda, they've you know I've just been away traveling a lot, and um, I dug out my DSLR that I haven't used for ages because I've got lazy, and it's take you taking a load of photographs. And then I saw that Linda's got a, a, a photography course on it, so now I want to do that. But I haven't done the video one yet that I said I was going to look at last week, and yeah. So it's a bad place to go. Don't don't sign up for it. Whatever you do, otherwise you'll never get any work done. You'll just be wanting to learn new things. But if you do decide to learn, it's got an un, uh, a flat fee for unlimited access to all their videos. They have a 10-day free trial when you use the URL lynda.com forward slash boagworld. Now, mm-hmm. we have to do the joke. You, you know what? I'm, what? What's that? I... Because no one sent me any more jokes, even though I asked for more jokes, please. You're in I rebelling, th- are you? No, no, no. No, I looked up um, the funniest joke in the world on Google. <laughs> I think that was Monty Python, right? Are we... They, they, they di- it's a very dangerous joke. Yeah, the dangerous joke, yeah. The one that, the, yeah, they're, ki- they're killing troops with the most dangerous joke. Yes, that's Monty Python. Exactly. But anyway, I've, I've managed to find Facebook's top 50 jokes. And okay. I'm going to give you number one. <laughs> Right. I, I, why have I got the feeling I'm not going to find this joke funny? I think you might. Oh, okay. But it's That's quite good. good. Anyway, so a woman gets on a bus with her baby. Yeah. The bus driver says, oh, that's the ugliest baby I've ever seen. The woman walks to the rear of the bus and sits down fuming. She says to a man next to her, the driver just insulted me. And the man says, you go up there and tell him. Go on, I'll hold your monkey for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think I've that's just number had a new... one. That's the funniest joke in the world. Yeah, I don't think I, it is. I'm not convinced. Is... Okay, I laughed because I'm polite, but <laughs> funniest in the world, according to Facebook. Yeah. I, I bet there are funnier jokes about Facebook. Probably, yeah. probably. But... I think we ought to instigate a new policy, which is that whoever we have as the guest presenter has to bring the joke on the show. Oh, that's that's harsh. I'm pro- pro- I, I will do that the next time you. Have okay, me done. Do it. Because we, we're doing, right at the end of the season, we ought to get you back for this, because right at the very end of the season, we're doing work-life balance, ah. which is your pet subject, and mine, to be fair. 
So, yeah. um, so I think we've got to get you back on that. How to get to the point where you do as little as possible. I think that's a... It, it, it's a lot of work to do nothing. It is. It's taken me years of my career to get to the point of doing as little as I do now. But anyway, Marcus, don't make some... Sn- I, could, I could hear you sniggering in the background there. Fuming, more like. Oh, jealousy, is it? Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I like it when you're jealous. That's a good thing. Yes, particularly... Um, it's a particularly... Um, yeah. Uh, bad point with me at the moment but Aww. that's okay yeah, it's not fair you make me feel bad it's like i've abandoned you to a life of hard work i know i don't like it well no <laughs> <laughs> that's the point that's why it's called work uh, yeah all this rubbish about oh yeah yeah what i do is my passion i love to do it and i could do it all the time yeah wait till you have kids and get old you won't be saying that then <laughs> <laughs> so Next week, not that I sound bitter, next week we're going to be looking at deciding on your offering, what it is that you do. You know, are you going to be a generalist? Are you going to offer a big wide range of different things or are you going to narrow it down? We're going to be joined by Ryan Taylor, Marcus. Mm -hmm. It's been a very long time. Because Ryan used to help um, run this podcast, and occasionally when myself and Marcus went on holiday, Ryan and Paul used to yeah. do the sh- show in our place, didn't they, Paul Stanton? Yeah, they did indeed. And Long they were very, time ago, that was. They were very good, although no one could, outside of Britain could understand them, because they have, they have <laughs> northern accents. <laughs> do you know Ryan, uh, Carl? Have you ever met Ryan? I don't believe so. Oh, Ryan's great, but he is impossible to understand. So we're going to have him on next week's show, which will give Meg, our transcriber, a real challenge to try and understand his accent. Although, to be honest, Meg's father is northern, so it'd be all right. Oh, talking of Meg, she mm-hmm. said she said to me, because I always get little messages from her every time she transcribes the show. She, um, she uh, uh, curiosity got the better of her, mm-hmm. and she Googled your pop career. Oh, right. And That's... actually knew the words to Hands to Heaven. Well, there you go. She is a woman of a particular age. <laughs> what, That's all I'm age, saying. You mean? Well, well no, little, younger. Little bit younger. Yeah. Little bit younger. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, there you go. I didn't write the word, so I'm, I'm okay with it. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> I bet Carl will know hands to heaven, won't you? He like you know. Is, it, is this what you guys do every week? Because I will start listening every week. This is this is amazing. <laughs> We did talk we've about been, digital stuff a bit. We've been doing. I'm not this. used to being in the presence of greatness. <laughs> oh, oh. That yeah. is such a load of bullshit, Carl. <laughs> I bet you were such a good salesman back in the day. Really slick. <laughs> That's pretty good. It's like the way that when, when I said, "Will you come on the podcast?" You said, "Oh, I would be honoured to." No, you wouldn't be honoured to. <laughs> Don't give me that crap. I don't believe you. Anyway, let's wrap up this show. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Um, Look forward to seeing you again next week. Huge thanks to Carl for his creepy sucking upness. Um, It's been my pleasure. And we'll talk to you again next week. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye. Oh, my God.